Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they are doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody out there who listens. I do encourage you to make sure you're signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you are not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. And yes, it honestly is weekly, meaning I'm only going to send to you each Wednesday. There are so many people who I get emails from way more than once a week, which really gets quite annoying. And so I hope it will mean something to you that you will only get an email from me each Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Albuquerque, New Mexico, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who in April released his third EP, which has four songs and is actively being promoted during a jam-packed tour schedule this summer that takes him through 11 states over four months, which follow the same number of states he has already played so far in 2022. This month, he will hit his 500,000th mile driven on tour since starting in 2016. In his travels, he has performed with the likes of Third Eye Blind, Sister Hazel, and Lifehouse, among others. In total, he has played in 46 states and seven different countries. You've been hearing a song of his called Live Where You Love the Sky. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Benny Bassett. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. You bet. You bet. Crazy, crazy touring schedule that you're in the midst of. So thanks so much for making time to be on the show today. Let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Live Where You Love the Sky. Absolutely. Uh, Live Where You Love the Sky, kind of uh, relevant to my tour schedule since uh, there was a little music video for it as well. Uh, and it just featured me setting up my phone all over the country. But uh, and um, but the whole song is about this um, friend of ours. And uh, she had just moved out of the house, like out of her, under, under, from under her parents' you know, thumb and was striking out on her own and finding her own independence and was involved in this pretty serious accident and immediately had to move back in with her parents and go through rehab and mm. all this kind of serious stuff that happened to her. And every morning or evening when she did went out for a walk or did rehab, she would use this hashtag live where you love the sky and take these beautiful photos of the sunrise or sunset. Mm. And so um, I met my girlfriend here in New Mexico, and she and I kind of worked on this song together. She had these really beautiful opening chords that uh, that, that you heard here in the beginning, and I love that. And we worked with this idea of, you know, sometimes where you live or the beauty that you surround yourself with, and whether it be your home state or somewhere you love to go visit or somewhere you might, you know, often holiday or something – can lift you up out of bad times and kind of um, not wipe away, but can at least uh, subdue bad memories or bad things that have happened by finding beauty and in, in where you're at in that moment. And that's why uh, the video was about all being in all these different places around the, around the country and, and, it, and all kind of played together. But that's what the song, where it came from and what it's about. I like it. There's times occasionally, since I live in Tampa, Florida, when I will hashtag a picture on my personal Instagram, I will put live where you vacation or I live where you vacation. But I like that 
angle that you took because, you know, as much as we see beautiful destinations and locations that are pretty popular on social media, I find that a lot of people are usually drawn to pictures of the sky where they go, wow, where is this? You know, where does the sky look like that? Right. And so that's really different that you did take something that's a slightly different approach from, yeah, sure. I mean, I could put a picture of Disney or I could put a picture of the beach and that's all well and good, but it's kind of been done before. And I feel like this idea of live where you love the sky is very original. Yeah. I mean, I I really love that. Well, the sky is kind of everywhere you are, right? So the other part of that message is, you know, I'm just a strong believer that you can that people have more control over their how they feel and react to things than they might imagine. And I know that's hard in difficult moments, and a lot of us struggle with that. But I think have, knowing that, uh, in, at least in my opinion, you can find beauty anywhere, even in cloudy days and foggy days, like where I grew up. Like I loved the fog, where you could never see the sky, right? Mm. But like you can still find beauty in things, no matter kind of where you are. And that's like that's my own personal message like behind the song. Cause I know that that's not easy for everybody, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, and even like on the side, I've gotten into photography and it's interesting how much time professional photographers, amateur photographers spend on, on, uh, either just totally, uh, replacing the sky. Like there's, you know, things on Photoshop and stuff that where you just click a button and it'll just put a random, you know, beautiful sky in for you. So it is something we definitely like spend a lot of time thinking about, um, especially for visual art folks. So it just made sense as a, you know, kind of thinking of myself as a well-rounded creative person. And in addition to a musician to kind of put all those ideas together and, and, uh, yeah, that's where it came from. But thinking as a songwriter, though, obviously, when you released some music, you want as many people to be able to connect with the song as possible. And I love that you made the comment about even if it's cloudy, because as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, I bet the people in Seattle don't live where (laughs) you love the sky. But, you know, you put this spin on it where you made it where you still can. And so... I'm assuming that that's something that you are conscious of when you're writing a song is to say, wait a minute, I don't want there to be a certain group of people that are going to be disinterested in checking out my song because they're going to read the title and feel alienated. So am I on to something here? Is that a conscious effort that you're making as you're writing music to say, I want this to have a, a broad appeal to it. Let me make sure I'm not eliminating people along the way. I... I wish I thought more like that. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess we, I guess you ultimately do on some level. Uh, but I, I think it's like, there's multiple steps. One, when I write, uh, I put a lot of ideas into my phone or into my computer as voice notes for melodies or ideas or whatever. And then I find that the ones that I end up recording are the ones that I come back to. In other words, like it sticks in my head enough mm. or when I come sit back down at my computer, it, you know, like those ideas, still resonate with me. Um, and that's kind of how I write, but, or how it, how stuff gets recorded as far as like top subject matter or what I'm writing about. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I I've always been a fan of, uh, like not sitting in one style or type of music. And I, my old, my old, you know, band, we used to have multiple lead singers and multiple people that wrote. And so we always kind of, there was always a, a built in difference there when mm. you have multiple working and even on my albums like I always 
say or tell people that when I make an album, I try to make the songs different enough that if you sat down in a room and, and you had 50 people and everyone sat and listened through, let's say on this record, the four songs that that each there would be groups of people that would like a different song for different reasons and that each of them would have a different favorite. And so I don't often think about this song is going to, you know, appeal more widely. I just kind of I write from experience and I try to do two things like write, like you're saying, something that people can relate to, but also write. Uh, I don't know. Vague is the word, but write broadly enough about a specific thing that they can they can relate it somewhere in their life in a specific way while kind of keep, keeping the story broad. Like I'm not writing, uh, you know, down at the uh, Tasty Freeze sucking on chili dogs. Right. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not quite that specific. But but the emotions, the 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 feelings, the um, like the things we're going through in life is kind of what I'm, you know, what I'm aiming for. And I think that when you're talking about human experience, there's enough there that everyone has had some, whether personally or through a friend or family member, they've they understand that emotion, that experience, that feeling. And I guess that's and that's a roundabout way of saying, yeah, somehow you think about that. But I don't it's not like my driving idea to write the most mass appealing song. Yeah, got it. Got it. Let me make a voice note to myself. Hey, self, email John Mellencamp and tell him that you and Benny <laughs> Bassett were talking about him and thus he needs to be on my show. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyhow, Benny, congratulations on the new EP that just came out in April. I mentioned in the intro that there are four songs on it. But tell us more about that project, because this was a change for you, right? You, for all intents and purposes, did everything yourself this time, correct? Yeah, so it was nice that uh, the whole world decided to take a little time off, which uh, <laughs> allowed me to, you know, uh, have some time at home. And I'm, I'm not, I don't know if it's a family trait. I know it's certainly my mom and myself that we uh, are not good at sitting still or, um uh, not like uh, being a sponge to experience or knowledge. And so I was sitting at home and I think in the beginning I was trying to do, you know, online concerts and that kind of stuff. And I, you know, it's just for a variety of reasons, just not quite as rewarding that, that type of experience. Sure. Um, and then when you start to realize, okay, this is, you know, month or two or three months, like we don't really know what's going to happen. No one knew, no one still, you know, and um, so I just said, OK, I'm going to, you know, take this time. And um, as a small business, there was some, you know, the government made some money available. Thank goodness um, for us to kind of survive. And for me, I was able to kind of build out a tiny little space here for doing some recording. And I and I went to school. I honestly like took some courses. I have binders mm. sitting here. I did outlines. I was like it was like becoming a student again because I, I couldn't I, I learned in the past working with um several really wonderful experienced producers this guy jamie candeloro out of la who has been in ryan adams band he's he's worked with rem he's grammy nominated like very talented guy um kit carlson and chip johnson out in virginia um lifelong musicians that started their own studio you know like watching these guys work on hardware the actual you know like uh, physical knobs and switches and racks and things that um, you know, I watched them and I was, I always wanted to be in the room and watch how they did it and ask them questions about why they're using this compressor or why they're using this plugin or why that, you know, like whatever it may be. 
Um, but I know those guys have spent so much time learning that that I didn't want to just jump in and start tweaking a bunch of stuff that I didn't know what it did and I and I didn't know, you know, just making it up. I wanted to at least uh, come in the room with armed with some kind of foundation of knowledge. And so um, I did. I spent months just doing the learning part and. Mm. Um, the original result of that was that the very first recording I did out of the house was uh, one of my girlfriend's songs. And um, it was just kind of like a test. <laughs> um, uh, and so we I did that. And um, and then there were a couple things I wanted to tweak. I ended up like adding another microphone or, you know, something else I wanted to kind of help fill out the sound. And um, yeah, so it was totally different. So the whole thing is all my instrumentation, all of my playing, uh, all my engineering, all of my production work. Wow. Uh, what I did towards the end of the record was, I think it, it's always important to like have another set of ears mm-hmm. on anything you work on because you're, it's like that, you know, phrase about a, a lawyer who has himself as a client, has a fool for a you know client or however the heck that I totally messed that up. But <laughs> something, you know, that, you know, that kind of thing where you, if you do it all yourself, you're like not getting, a full picture of what what's out there and yeah. what you know can be added to what you're working on. So, a couple uh, like a few of my musician friends here in Albuquerque, uh, Jimmy Devaney, Lucky Mays, and J.D. Nash. I had them all kind of listen through and give me some ideas or their opinions. And that it doesn't mean you have to do everything they tell you to do, but it's just like to get another set of ears and uh, on your music. Um, so everything but the mastering, essentially. Mm. Uh, and I'm not uh, a good drum player, but I did build the drums. So I, I essentially, I guess I played them, but on a keyboard. <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it's um, it was quite an experience. I, I, I can't 100% say for sure that I'll do another record that way. I might, I may. Uh, but honestly, because I'm on the road so much, uh, it's hard to... It's It's not quite like riding a bike, especially since... Uh, plugins update, computers update, things go in and out. You know, like it, it, it there is a ton to it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not quite like just sitting down and redoing it. Um, but it definitely does save on money and time and studio time and all that. And uh, as I've said in a lot of like the kind of promo for this record, it's 100%. It's the only time, you know, of any of my music that's 100% me, my ideas, you know, when, when you're in a band or when you're in a studio with a producer, there are little tweaks to lyrics or little tweaks to instrumentation or, you know, these kinds of things that happen that just aren't part of this record. I got to do uh, everything I wanted to do and I got to sit with it and make changes. Um, You know, one of the songs went through many, many different lyrical, melodical changes. It mm. started, it was originally going to be like a talk rap kind of song, which what a terrible idea for me. <laughs> but, but like, that's where it started in my head because I think I'm real cool and I uh, <laughs> thought I could pull that off. But, and you know, you just sit with it long enough and think of to yourself, but why, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, you know, being, having the studio at home and having that stuff in front of you allows you to, to do, to add and to question yourself as opposed to saying I'm on the clock and I need to make this decision now. Well, and it's a lot different than going to a studio and having a producer tell you, um, Benny, let's try something crazy. Let's take an entirely different approach to the song. And you're going, Oh gosh, 
Oh, he thought yeah. he thinks the talk rap is dumb. And yeah. then you're kind of, you know, distracted by that. And here he is saying, let's let's have you sing it this way. And you're so busy thinking, why did I ever come in here with this song? And, the, you know, so this way it was your own evaluation and your own adjustments and not somebody in your headphones saying, uh, let's let's try one more vocal on that one. I just want to comp that one. And you're going, oh, well, what was wrong with that one? It actually felt pretty good. So, you know, it was probably a lot more relaxing experience for you as, as stressful as people might think because of all the work and all the different hats. It might have been a different type of enjoyment than the type of enjoyment you got from recording your first two EPs. Yeah, I think I think that's totally true. I, I, I spent a lot of time in my mix room, which was my car, uh, because <laughs> you know, someone just suggested it because it's where you listen to music the most, especially mm. for on the road and it does have no flat surfaces. So there is a lot that makes sense about that, but you're right. I, although I will say like, I learned to trust the producers we hired and there's a reason we hired them, you know, um, whether it was, we had heard uh, a, a peer of mine that made a record with, uh, this producer, or we knew, you know, Jamie's work was pretty obvious. It's very large <laughs> format. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I learned, to trust most ideas that they had. And there, there are times as a musician where you can pick your battles. You know, I wrote this line and it's going to be this line, no matter what you say. And I've certainly had those nights and, and, or early mornings in the studio. Um, but I think you pick the people you pick, uh, because you trust them. And if you don't, you probably need to like keep picking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I, if, if there was another take, I know that they heard something that there was a reason why, and I've always found that if you ask, they could tell you why. And I think that's that's all that matters. If they're just saying, let's do another take to do another take or or in, in the context of what we're talking about, if they're like, just try something crazy, which I did have a, a, a gentleman tell me that one time. And we were just doing like a one off song for a, a, a short film. And uh, he was like, just do one crazy take. And I just thought to myself, what does that mean? <laughs> what? What does the, do I scream? Am I, yeah. am I doing a lot of groaning? Like, what does crazy mean to you? <laughs> yeah, we're not taking a silly photograph here. I mean, this is yeah, entirely yeah. different. Do, yeah, do people know that I'm holding bunny ears on myself? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, while you're talking about all the actual creation that you did, occasionally I will ask a guest about what recording software they're using, but shame on me, I never really ask about the gear. So share with us what all you have in your studio that you used for this new EP. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, as far as recording gear, I, I use uh, Logic Pro. I mean, it's pretty well known. I, I um, as part of this time off, I got a new computer and, and it's kind of built into Macs. So I use a, you know, a desktop Mac. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's interesting when you talk about gear, because I assume there are some musicians that listen back to these two. So it's always, you know, cool to kind of find out what people use. And, and almost everyone I know has a guitar sitting at home, even if they don't play it. I feel like there's <laughs> it's just become the new decorating like fig leaf plant or fiddle leaf plant <laughs> is like uh, a guitar in the corner. Um, I have these really great HS8 uh, Yamaha speakers. I use um, Universal Audio, which I've really fallen in love with. They've been around so long, um, making transistor and transformers and that kind of stuff. And and uh, I use a little uh, Apollo Twin uh, interface. It's got um, you know kind of everything I need. I have a, um, a little Rupert Neve. It's like the only Neve thing in the studio because it's small and I could afford it. <laughs> <laughs> DI for that um, 
that I use. I have this um, uh, Vox AC30 HW, like hand-wired. It's white. Uh, I The Foo Fighters use them, and uh, I love the Foo. So I um, got that amp a long time ago in the band. It's been with me ever since, and it lives in the, uh, the guitar closet. <laughs> it has, like, my pedal boards and stuff, and... Um, I use a whole mix of um, of pedals from Boss and Keeley and um, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, that's all studio stuff. I have I've I've had my very first get to real guitar. Um, I had to make a deal with my parents about grades, um, and they said, "Oh, well, we'll get you whatever guitar you want." They just didn't know that I was at the time like a gigantic Doors fan, and I really wanted a Gibson SG, which was way out of the price range <laughs> our family we'll and get so, you whatever guitar you want except for that one <laughs> yeah, except for that so you know like you know how i don't know what it was about me as a young person but when i told them that's what i wanted and they said no but but here's an alternative and maybe that's what saved it um because i think most kids you know like i had a deal and they'd lose their mind right like we had a deal yeah this, you know and instead they were like we'll split it with you uh, and I immediately, like that week, got a paper route <laughs> uh. and um, earned enough money. And uh, I remember like just enough money because my stepdad and I drove to Oregon because <laughs> there's no sales tax. Oh, my so gosh. We, so we went right over the border to buy the SG uh, and saved, you know, a couple hundred on sales tax because we lived cool. in California. And um, I've been playing that SG ever since. Still love the doors. And um, and then I have this... Uh, Highway One American-made Telecaster that uh, I used to bring out on the road with me because you could run over it with a semi and it would still sound great. Um, and then I think when you're in the studio, you kind of like the goal for me is to cover, uh, you know, like as much sonic scape as you can. And and to me, that you really only need like a handful. I know this sounds like only, but like a handful of guitar tones. So I recently, when I was on this last one of my last trips down in uh florida in tampa actually mm -hmm. i went and got um a uh strat from uh uh from a guitar center down there even though i told myself i'd never buy a guitar from guitar center i did <laughs> and then no offense to them i shopped there for everything else it's just like i don't know that i want a guitar that like a thousand other people have you know been banging around or playing gotcha. around gotcha. you know it wasn't it's no yeah nothing about them um and uh and then I recently got a um, a Taylor acoustic that will live in 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 the studio here. It's really nice, like uh, made with this Hawaiian koa wood. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. And I always told myself I wasn't gonna play a Taylor because I just thought they were kind of um, like a little bit too much br too bright. I guess is the way I would describe it. But mm -hmm. I had a friend that, that worked at the at the guitar shop, and he said, "Just plug this in. Just play this. Like relax mm -hmm. for." <laughs> and uh and he was right and honestly my my road warrior like i don't know how it's still in one piece guitar is this gibson j45 uh i got it's not super vintage or anything um i was asked to open a show for friends of mine when their opener canceled on a tour back in uh 2015 yeah 15 and so that day i went and um went to this really beautiful beautiful i always promote them when i can um uh music shop in in chicago where i lived at the time uh called the chicago music exchange and um just sat in the acoustic room until i until one of them spoke to me and then i used it for the first time in a show that night mm. 
and uh, that guitar has been, it's a warrior. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. overseas. It had it had a hole put in it. It has Whoa. been in the snow. It's been in the rain. It's been in, like, it's been everything. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, I, I chose very well. We've become very close. I don't name inanimate objects except for my cars because it's now, that's mm-hmm. a superstition that I was, that I was given. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't like have a name for it or anything, but it is definitely like my, uh, my my uh, first mate, I guess. Well, speaking of your car, and, and you told a few stories there that involve traveling, the touring that you're doing to promote this new EP is just crazy. Check this out, folks. California, <laughs> Oregon, Washington, Montana, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Indianapolis, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. As of the time that we're recording this episode, Benny is scheduled to perform in all of those places through mm-hmm. and including mid-August which tells me there might end up being more. But Benny, my gosh, you are just really taking your music out to the proverbial unwashed masses, yes? <laughs> well, I mean, I hope they've all bathed, but yes, I'm, I, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. Um, when I first started out doing this, I was on the road a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I remember I, I had a friend that gave me a, uh, a room and uh, sold me a car and that's how I started out um, back in 2016 full time. And in, for the first 18 months I was on the road, I was home for like six, seven weeks. Mm. And but that was back in the beginning. And I was playing shows for nothing for exposure, the all uh, all famous exposure, not all of them. But I was just taking any show I could get because yeah. I had left this like professional career and I was just kind of like, is this feasible? I just have to keep playing to make it work. And I wasn't stopping to see the sights. I was just kind of like white line fever, my mom calls it. It's just like, just straight down driving all the time. And over time that that changed and developed. And then I met my girlfriend here in New Mexico and we kind of, and I slowed it down to where I'd take con- pretty consistent three week trips. And then, uh, like I said, our worldwide vacation happened and I, um, I forgot all that <laughs> and I was making a new record and I think I was just, I was so ready to like get back out and play. And I did make a couple trips to play like outdoor shows in 2021 in a couple places where I kind of knew the situation and the setup and felt safe enough, but I just really wanted to, um, kick it off. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of DIY, um, tour booking with my friend Cheryl, who also helps me do booking, but in a lot of DIY, I mean, that's how I found you as well. A lot of DIY kind of press work and reaching out. I just, you know, because the record was a hundred percent me and even the music videos have been a hundred percent my work too. I really am. I couldn't, could not be more invested in this album in particular. And so it, it, it made sense to me to just like go back to the old days and just, do, I mean, I just got back two weeks ago from seven weeks on the road. And so now, uh, you know, I'm just going headed back out. I mean, that that's, that's uh, you know, what I do for a living is that's how I make money is, yeah. is touring. Yeah. And um, I do often play um, around New Mexico a lot. I actually just got back this past weekend from uh, southern New Mexico. And I'm not sure. Uh, I, I cut the tour ends in August because my birthday and my girlfriend's birthday are a day apart in September. So we always like to be together for that. And I don't know, I may take a break this fall and winter and record again. Um, and uh, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a busy summer. But when you have new music, that's the time you want to get out there. 
Yeah, and there's something in there that you just mentioned that I want to go back to because besides touring, something else that you've done to promote the new EP is release a couple music videos, one of which will be of interest to anyone who watched the TV show Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that That's like the brand new, maybe two weeks ago it came out, something like that. Um, it's a song called Same Mistake, and uh, I had just been playing with this idea of like a band of, of Bennies, which sounds ridiculous, but, but like, uh, me playing all the instruments, just like I did on the record, um, in a music video and in this particular spot, uh, I had not been, uh, a breaking bad guy, if you will. Um, even, uh, up until I moved to New Mexico <laughs> <laughs> and it is, uh, still everywhere here. And I guess there's still a better call Saul, which is, which is out now too, and still going on. So, you know, there are like the the RV, there's RV tours in the like looks exactly like the RV from the TV show. There are still mm. a company here that makes uh, donuts with the fake blue crystal meth on the donuts. <laughs> there is like there it's just like uh, it is a big uh, and, and, you know, honestly, uh, Albuquerque has grown quite a bit over the last several years. And I think a lot of it has to do with that show. Uh, you know, Netflix has moved here, has a studio here. Facebook mm. has a uh, space here. Amazon is building wow. here. Like there's a lot that's coming in kind of all at once. Um, and so I think a, a lot of that has to do with the fame and notoriety that that show brought. Also, New Mexico is just it's a beautiful place. Don't tell anybody. Uh, but it's a, it's <laughs> well, a beautiful place. But given everything that you just said, I wonder, did you have to get permits was this a guerrilla style where no i just ran out and did it myself real quick one afternoon or how did you get to shoot in that spot yeah i definitely didn't research all that i probably should have but but i don't um i don't monetize on on youtube yet so i'm technically it's not a commercial you know thing um not so as far as i know that's okay um so i guess you could call it guerrilla yeah um i i i uh I'm this way in life and also in my social media for music. I feel like I'm like master of none. So I have like a decent following on all of my kind of social media, but I, I haven't spent a ton of time focusing on one of them. So yeah, you have like a good following on YouTube. I have a hundred videos up there. I spent last, uh, last summer's break doing like a whole series of African-American artists uh, that inspired me kind of through hmm. uh, the month of June. Uh, and that was kind of my way of contributing to, um, you know, the movement and the voices that were out there. Because what do, what do I really have to say about it other than just saying, here are the folks um, in my life. You know, Motown was huge in my family. And so, like, these are the folks that inspired me and and have changed music forever. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of different stuff out there. Same, But same thing with Spotify is a, another great example. Like, I had never really tried to push playlists or things like that. And I just did a little work on this front for this record. And that same uh, song, same mistake that we were just talking about the music video has become my most streamed song in one month. <laughs> so Outstanding. apparently, yeah, apparently it pays off to, like I said, let people know about your music, <laughs> the marketing effort, you know, and I knew that it's just, you know, it's, it's constantly changing. So the best way yeah. to do it is always different day to day. Well, and there's something else new. There's a phrase that you have started using, which is real life music. Walk us through that. I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think to me, 
when I play long shows, you know, three hour shows or whatever, I'm, I'm covering songs and I'm playing my own songs and I'll get done with shows and people will say, I really love your originals because you can tell that you feel them, mm. you know, you feel them differently. And I'm, and, and I'm, I always answer, well, of course I do. Like they're written from very real experiences that I've had in my life and adapted into a song that can make it relatable to, for someone else that may have had the same type of experience. And, you know, sometimes I, I think it's also like this tongue in cheek commentary on modern music where, you know, everything's good and we're partying and we're, to, you know, throwing back our red solo cups and, you know, all the all the kind of stuff that's out there. Because honestly, and, and I'm not speaking badly about it, because in a time when things are just hard in so many different ways out there for a lot of people and a lot of people are angry, of course, that's what you're going to gravitate towards is stuff that kind of uh, uh, takes you out of that and, um, you know, takes you to a, a place where you're not thinking about that stuff. And I'm not writing about, generally, not writing about, like, uh, humongous social issues. There's a song on this record that kind of just says, you know, uh, a little more broadly, like, why can't we just be, you know, better to each other? But um, I, I, I would, for me, it would be very difficult to um, spend this much time on something that, that wasn't really meaningful to me and meaningful mm. to my, in a, in an everyday way. And so I can, I can feel, I can go to sleep at night and I can rest well knowing that I'm telling a very true story for myself, uh, and a very, uh, um, well, I mean real life, like a very real experience for a lot of other people and trying to, uh, address it and make it accessible through music. Yeah, yeah. Folks, not only was Benny previously in a band that the Rock and Roll Report called, quote, one of the best unsigned bands in the country, end quote, but you will be amazed to hear what else he used to do professionally, which had nothing to do with music. But first, I am joined on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Albuquerque, New Mexico, by singer, songwriter, guitar player Benny Bassett, Visit his official website at BennyBassett.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. There's tons of content to access once you land on BennyBassett.com, including his music, of course, plus merchandise, his tour schedule, and much more. Look there also for links to engage with Benny on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And while, yes, you can follow Benny on Spotify, support him by purchasing downloads of his music from Amazon or Apple Music. I was recently a speaker at the massive PodFest Multimedia Expo in Orlando. Those in attendance were able to benefit from all my experience from doing this show every week for more than eight years now. But you can tap into all my podcasting knowledge, too, for the show that you want to do or are already doing. Send me an email via podcast at nhte.net and let's book a private one-on-one -on -one online video consultation so I can help you be successful with and get enjoyment from podcasting. Too many people just wing it and then six months later, they've already stopped. Set yourself up for success with your podcast by scheduling time with me to get you the help you need. I will give that email address again at the end of this episode. Benny, tell the audience what I was referring to that you used to do for nearly 10 years, which had nothing to do with being a recording artist. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was a lawyer in downtown Chicago. I went to a, a school which now goes by a different name, but it was uh, John Marshall Law School in Chicago. I had 
ended up in Chicago um, with a girl that I had met in college uh, who had some family there. Uh, Chicago is one of my favorite cities in the world. It's it's beautiful. It's going through some tough times right now, but it just has so much going on in the arts, in uh, in just the 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 lake, the the beauty, the parks. Like it's just a really a, a great city. And I did all sorts of legal work. Um, I started out in like a medical malpractice world. I ended up like um, in my last job uh, representing like wrongfully terminated uh, teachers and professors. Some of my favorite work was there towards the end. And um, basically, the day that I graduated law school was also the day that I met the guy that I started playing in his band. So every day that I was a lawyer, I also was playing music in a band. <laughs> and um, towards the end, I just uh, I was I was wrapping up the band had split up and I was wrapping up my first solo album. And I was just kind of looking at the situation I was in with a boss that I wasn't um, quite getting along with really well. And um, I, I just decided, even if it was for a summer, that I was going to head out and promote this album. And that was that. Once I got out on the road, um, the biggest thing I found was, you know, I, I made a lot of other people a lot of money as a lawyer. Mm. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of gratitude. You know, it was um, you could work. I regularly worked towards the end, like 15, 16 hour days. But there really was it was like, so what? <laughs> you know, either you. Uh, you weren't working enough hours or billing enough hours or, you know, you were charging clients too much. There was never much thank you, but I could go out on the road and I could play a song that someone related to or that touched them and they could look me in the eyes and say that meant so much to me. I, mm -hmm. you know, I lost this family member or my daughter used to like this or I really love this song and like that's all it took. Like that's all I think most of us want is to do something that that people appreciate in this world and and to like add to the human experience and have someone say, man, that the way that you do this is really cool and yeah. I love it. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I found in music that at least got me headed further down that road. <laughs> well, go ahead and talk about the band that you were in that I referred to that the rock and roll report called one of the best unsigned bands in the country. So I, I love, I love that quote. It's, it's uh, I'm not uh, the biggest grandstanding person but i really did have so much belief in this band um we were called vintage blue we had started out as a, a cover band we were called tanglewood and uh uh we our old tagline used to be from everything from dean martin to guns and roses and in a three <laughs> and in a three or four hour night we would start with sway when marimba rhythms start to play then we'd end up with like welcome to the jungle or something so we really wow. did wow that yeah it was great and then um, when we started writing our own music and recording our own music, we uh, spoke with a friend who used to be on the management team for Sister Hazel, if you mm. remember that band. Yeah. And he just like had a consultation with us, essentially, just like a phone call and talked to us about what our goals were and what we wanted to do and said, well, you have to change the name because, you know, Sh um, Tanglewood is a music venue in Massachusetts uh, and the band Chicago plays there all the time. So anytime you Google Tanglewood in Chicago, all you get is, per, you know, video performances of Chicago playing at this music venue. <laughs> Tanglewood is also my first guitar. They're a guitar oh. maker in the UK. And that was the first guitar go. I had. I think I had found that too. And <laughs> a suburb in every major American city. So <laughs> it was, it was like, it, and he was totally spot on. So we were like at a payway or something and um, decided on the name Vintage Blue. 
we had um, two saxophone players. We really had like six, seven people in the band, depending on the makeup. And um, we spent a lot of we had we had two guys in the band that that were very in very good careers and had the ability to kind of fund our wildest dreams. Mm. <laughs> And that it goes. I mean, I mean, we're not talking about like you know millionaires or something, but I just mean like they had a, a expendable cash that allowed us to do, you know, radio campaigns and really like gotcha. um, put some time into the behind the scenes stuff. Gotcha. And you know, all the guys in the band had grown up in Illinois, and so they had a good network of people. I clearly did not, but they had a good network of people from their colleges and their workplaces, and so we could play really gig, uh, really big gigs. We ended up playing like opening for fits and the tantrums up at Summerfest. We had um, uh, several gigs in uh, big festivals in Chicago, which Chicago loves their street fest. So uh, lots of opportunities there, but we played with like gin blossoms and third eye blind. And um, I'm trying to, there's Lifehouse And um, wow. like I did a couple runs with sister Hazel. Mm. We met their fans who are called Hazelnuts. <laughs> And uh, it's and it's also they've they've introduced the world to so many uh, n- new bands and musicians and they're still touring now and kind of picking up again which is really great to so see because cool. they've been working really really hard too and and just great great guys that gave us the opportunity to meet their fans and then we played on their big music cruise called the Rock Boat we won like a battle of bands type of thing ah. and met people from around the world and I think uh, it was the moment where we kind of reached the height of, of our band, but also realized that, that we were probably done, which is such a weird uh, thing. Okay. But we were playing with like some of our, maybe, maybe not heroes, but like bands we grew up listening yeah, to. Yeah. And we were, we were looking at these artists that are on the road for 150, 200 shows a year. And we were playing, you know, 25 uh, and we were, okay. we were not touring. We were like a, part-time band and we were at that point because of girlfriends and families like practicing one night a week um so you know i think we just it was on the table that like uh we were either going to take this jump uh and really use the opportunity of this exposure to a worldwide like international audience from this music cruise that's been going on for 15 years at that point Mm -hmm. or we were just going to go our separate ways and and um, make that decision and i tell people now that when i look at everybody in the band there, everyone's doing what they wanted to do. The guys that wanted to have families uh. and doing that, the guys that still that love music and wanted to be part of their life are still doing that. So I think that's like the indicator that everyone made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so. but you know, in there you talked a lot about Chicago, the city, and there's something that you've kind of talked around throughout this conversation that I really want to isolate because you were born in upstate New York but you were raised in California. You've been talking about Chicago. You live in New Mexico. Usually if a recording artist has moved, it's to California, meaning Los Angeles, <laughs> if not New York or Nashville. So what is that story? Where in California were you and how do you end up moving to New Mexico? Oh man. Um, well, And I think the answer is Nashville. I don't even know if people go to L.A. for music anymore. I guess it depends on the style. Everyone I know is going to Nashville. But um, I, yeah, I, you know, I I can't speak for my my mom and my biological father. But, yeah, I was born in upstate New York, but probably lived there for a year. My grandpa was in the Navy. And so he ended up uh, retired out in Northern California in Seaside, which is like Monterey, Bay Area 
ish and started a business there that's still run by my uncle and well now my cousin so we moved out to california and lived in the seaside area and then my grandparents eventually retired up to chico Uh, a lot of people know uh chico or they think they know chico because they've heard of chino Mm. two different places but chico is about an hour and a half north of sacramento in the um, sacramento river valley Beautiful town, about 100,000 people, college town, uh, like a ton of trees, and, and it's, it's really beautiful, great, like family town. And um, and I lived there, went to high school there, um, went to, uh, I grew up in, um, well, I shouldn't say I grew up, towards the end of like high school, uh, and, and I guess middle of high school, I was uh, not always the best kid and kind of went through some trauma losing my grandfather who I was very close to and um, started going to church and ended up applying to go to this college that was somehow connected to my church out in um, uh, Illinois downstate Illinois uh, okay and uh, that's how I ended up out there and then okay. you know met met people out there and that's and then that, that kind of and then in between um, Chicago in New Mexico, I lived in uh, Wisconsin for a couple of years too. Mm. When I first was starting out touring, just outside of um, uh, Madison, which okay, is another. So, so now I can't imagine how you got down to New Mexico. Then, so what is that final piece? Yeah, that was. Um, uh, I blame it on an open mic uh, night here in New Mexico. I was driving through. Uh, I was driving like an empty minivan for friends of mine who knew that I toured, and wanted me to like deliver this minivan to their niece in Portland, Oregon. And, um, so I would just take, took route 66. They, they gave me some gas money and just let me take as long as I wanted, as long as it got there by a certain date. It's like a Monday night and I roll into this music venue, sign up to play some songs. And I watched this, you know, young lady walk in, um, and was just struck by her immediately. But like, if you're the new guy in town, how much of a creep do you really want to be? So I like, <laughs> I kept to myself. I was talking to this gentleman at the bar about his, he had a, like a didgeridoo band. And I was like, what is that? So I was just really uh, fascinated by him and that story. But um, just kept kind of seeing her out of the corner of my eye. And eventually I played my songs. And she also um, is, a, is a songwriter. Uh, some She would say sometimes. Um <laughs> But she used to host a woman singer singer songwriter night here, so she's she's mm-hmm. she does she does nice work, and we've written together. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, she came over, talked to me, and that was kind of it. Um, I don't know if many people know, but there's like a, an, a one extra love language, and it is like being made being teased relentlessly, and that's like my <laughs> love language. So she was like relentless, uh, just like hammering me from like the minute we met. And I was like, this is love. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so, and so I did write, ended up writing a song for her or about that situation. It's on my last record. It's called From You. It's like a very soft kind of piano ballad, indie piano ballad thing. And, and it was just about ultimately about what happens if, my choice to live a life on the road and constantly on the move means that I'm, um, I just keep passing up things that were put in front of me that were like meant to be things that I was supposed to pursue, but because I'm so focused on the next thing that I keep passing them up. And so that's where that song came from. Okay. And I wrote, and I wrote it like two days after we met and I sent it to her. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But I like the open mic. I mean, that's, that's very fitting. And, and, you know, you have performed, throughout the U.S., internationally, on festival stages, in dive bars, breweries, even living rooms, 
is it that variety that keeps it fresh for you? Because I would think that performing live as frequently as you do and for as long as you've been doing it, when you factor in all the shows that you did with Vintage Blue, it could get old real fast and lonely being a solo act instead of with a band. Yeah, that there's a lot in that question. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you can you can listen to a lot of interviews with other musicians and get different takes. And one of the f- things I always tell people is the best moment about what I do is like the 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 moment when you walk up to the door and into the door of a new place. Mm. And you're like you're you have no idea if you're who you're going to meet who's managing that night, what gear, are? am I using my gear, am I using their gear, what does their gear look like, am I going to have to, there have been instances where I've had to rewire an entire stage just to get like, wow. what, I, you know, oh, I mean, I'm just talking dive bar stage, not like a yeah, you know, yeah, whole lighting yeah. setup, yeah. but, you know, like just to kind of get what I need out of the situation, what I want out of the sound, you don't know like who, what kind of people are going to be there that night, so everything, everything, it may seem like you're, doing the same thing every night but there's I, there have never been two nights no it doesn't same. sound like you're doing the same thing every night because to pick on my own wording it sounds like it is that variety that keeps it fresh for you because you just did a great job of describing you walk up to the door and you have no idea now granted if you're someone that looks at the glasses app empty you could walk up to that door with a bad attitude and go oh gosh what am i about to walk in at this place or you could say hey this is exciting what am I going to get into here? Who am I going to meet? What's the place going to be like? What's the crowd going to be like? What's the stage? What's the gear? So yep. I think it is the variety that keeps it fresh for you. Yeah. Now there's also, uh, there are plenty of times where you get to that door and you, uh, that can, all those things can be said the same way, but at, with like on a, as a total drag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because there are just like everybody going to work at, uh, you know, in a nine to five or whatever your normal is for work. Like there are days when my voice doesn't feel great or I don't feel great mm-hmm. and, and I'll walk in and, and like uh, at a house concert or people that know me, they might meet me there early for dinner or we might hang out before and they're like, how are you going to do this? And I'm like, I don't know, but it just seems like I love playing so much. I love music so much that by the time I'm set up and about to start, there's a switch, right? And And I think... What happens is most of the day or while I'm driving a lot of these long distances, you're just kind of uh, you're plugging in the, the battery. And so, uh, you know, like I listen to whatever I listen to. It used to be that I just sat in silence, which freaks a lot of people out. But that's real because the rest of my job is very loud. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I just think that there's something about and maybe it is that gratitude before. Maybe it's the variety. Um, but I also get to like do something I really love for a living and and the things that you have to do in the in-between, the emailing, the phone calls, the booking, the setting up, the tearing down, that all makes the playing possible. So it all kind of makes it worth it. Well, speaking of the road, I did some digging and I found on your Patreon where it says, we even took a couple ill-advised tours in an RV. Ask me about that some other time, LOL. So can you pull back the curtain on that just a little bit for us? Just a little bit? Yeah. So that was with the band. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't my advisement that was ill. (laughs) (laughs) But but uh, essentially we were not a tour. We were not a touring band. We played around the Midwest. We did Indiana, downstate Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, things like that. But I think in our 
effort to get on that cruise, that rock boat I was talking about, mm -hmm. I had come up with this idea that we needed to go take a tour and we needed to get to Atlanta where the company that runs that cruise is based. We needed to stream a show from there. They had just started doing like, uh, I think back then it was Periscope or whatever. They were live streaming from yeah. their office yeah. bands that came through. And I just convinced the guys, I was like, we just got to do this. If, if we're really going to make a run to get on this thing, we have to look just as professional as the other bands that are doing this. And like I said, we had a couple guys who, um, had some extra money and they, you know, they weren't, they were like, well, we're not going to do hotels. It's going to be too expensive. So let's rent an RV. And I just, in my head was like, they have no idea how much gas is going to cost. Like all, <laughs> they, they just said, I was like, the hotels is even if each of us individually got a hotel room, it would be cheaper than an RV. And we just, the drives that I set up, it's a lot like what I do now. Just people will look at my schedule and think you're, you've lost your mind. Um, but I don't mind driving. It doesn't tire me out. It doesn't, I don't get tired. I don't, you know, whatever. And you get to see so much, I, whatever, that's a different story. But we had, we went from, um, Chicago to Nashville. So that's eight or nine, depending on an RV closer to nine. You know, then we went from Nashville to Atlanta. That's not bad, but we went from Atlanta to ocean city and we had ocean city, Maryland, and we had a radio show like the next morning or something. So we drove through the night. Oh, it was terrible. It was like the worst, the worst planning ever. And they're going, hey, good morning, guys. Great to have you on oh, the show. And you're like, hey. Yeah. And, and you know, all I can say is I, I, I only remember that radio show because of the photographs. Like we were so tired because, you know, and I, and you know, because it was my planning, I was the one that took on a lot of the driving and, and this guy, Matt in the band, cause he doesn't sleep at, at all ever, I guess. And, um, the only thing I can relate that to is like, if you've ever traveled a long distance overseas or something, it's like jet lag. Like mm. the first, we had, I'd never been to Europe before and Amanda and I got to go a couple of years ago for a tour. And, um, the first two days we like, I decided, well, let's just stay in one, we'll land in London. We'll stay in London. We ha found this really cool Airbnb on like an old, uh, like Dutch ship. Mm. And so that's where we stayed, but I don't remember it. I, it was just like, you you're sleepwalking through an experience yeah, yeah. and it was, it was a lot like that i think we sang songs i'm pretty sure <laughs> but like I, honestly it was just wow. it, you know it's one of those things where there was uh, a definite like good part of it which was we all spent time together we wrote a song while we were on the road it went on the next record we all got closer we all probably wanted to injure each other mm -hmm. like there were there were some fun shows there were some terrible shows we ended up getting on that cruise because we made that trip it took a couple more years sure but we were you know like if had that been had the band kept continuing on that growth had a lot to do with that that trip even if it was miserable well but I you mean, also learned a lot of lessons that you're able to apply to your solo career now whether they were from good experiences or bad experiences so there's definitely plenty of takeaways from it you know as much as some of it might be silliness yeah i yeah there's a song I have called find a way and, and I often start each show with it. So I don't get to talk about it very much, but it's the, this whole idea that, uh, when in the song it's people, but in actuality it's things happen to you or come into your life. Um, and even if they're miserable, they still teach you something. So you're there absolutely, you 
Yeah. Every, everything good and bad can instruct your like decisions in life down the road. Well, and on the note of talking about songs, we're going to close today with a song off your new EP, a tune called Same Mistake, which, as you mentioned earlier, has already been streamed close to 15,000 times on Spotify. Folks, this is also the song that the video Benny talked about earlier was filmed for. Before I let you go and I play that track, Benny, share with us first all about Same Mistake. Yeah, so uh, same mistake. This is uh, this is the song we mentioned earlier that was going to be a talk rap. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, and and it just kind of had, um, and, and it kind of brings our whole conversation together because I have that Motown uh, R and B soul kind of background that my mom was really into. Like we still had eight tracks of Earth, Wind, and Fire and <laughs> Average White Band and stuff like that. You know, around the house, I I have always at least in my head, um, had that kind of, uh, love for that music in my heart. And so I don't know that I write it quite how it's envisioned, but I do, I feel like it does play a part in this song. And so when I started out, I wanted it to be that, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, and then it just molded into more writing about this idea, um, that you're, and whether, you know, whether this is from my current relationship or any other relationship where you're, you're like stuck on something and you keep having this conversation over and over again, it's like banging your head on the wall. You're not getting anywhere. And so each chorus in the song is like a little bit more frustration about this conversation because the whole song is mostly chorus. I mean, there are a couple little, you know, verse snippets in there, but it's really about making this the same mistake over and over again, thinking that you can make progress and mm-hmm. kind of chasing that progress, which may ultimately not happen because you, how many times can you just keep making the same mistake over and over again? Yeah. And uh, so that's where the song came from. It's the first track on the new, on the new EP. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun video to make. We had to uh, make it twice. Amanda and I made it once. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely not a videographer. So we, uh, um, all the different versions of me were like in the wrong spot, <laughs> like oh, in no. all over. And my friend helped edit it because I don't know how to. I'm not quite as good at the overlays, but we tried to make it work. And he eventually just said, uh, "We're. Gonna, I want you to just redo it." <laughs> <laughs> so the day before I left on this last tour, I redid it, and he uh, made it really work really well. And I thought it turned out really great. There's a little surprise at the end. There's always surprises in my videos too. There's like a bird that nearly takes my head off in the, in the Liberty love the sky video. There's a little, uh, outfit surprise at the end of this one, which if you know about any of my story or whatever, uh, you'll, you'll find funny or if not, you get in touch with me, I'll tell it to you. But, uh, there's always some little Easter eggs in some of my videos and, and, uh, some of that has to do with my thinking, some of it with my friend, Jeff, who's edited a lot of them. He just knows me really well and, and puts stuff together really well. But nice. yeah, I'm super, I'm super excited about the new, new album. And I, and I'm, like I said, this album is, is, is all 100% me. It means a ton to me and I'm, and I'm happy to see it having some success and I'm, and I'm happy that you, uh, agreed to have me on and talk about, uh, my music life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Congratulations on the new EP. Best of luck with all the touring that you're doing folks. Uh, I'll give you Benny's socials and his website and everything again. Uh, do look for him out on the road and Benny, I really appreciate you making time out of that crazy, crazy touring schedule to talk with me today. Absolutely, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. You bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, this time I'm going to say multi-instrumentalist, 
Benny Bassett, do visit his official website at bennybassett.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. On Benny's website, look for his music, not only the new EP, but the two that he released prior, as well as merchandise and lots and lots and lots of tour dates. Use the social media icons there, too, to follow Benny on Facebook and Instagram, both of which I did this morning. You heard him talk about the video for Same Mistake. Subscribe to Benny's official YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell Benny you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Again, while yes, his music is on streaming platforms like Spotify and Pandora, support Benny by purchasing downloads of his music from the likes of Amazon or Apple Music. Again, a reminder about getting yourself help with podcasting or maybe passing this along to someone you know who keeps saying they want to start a podcast or has started one but is struggling. I have been doing this show every week since February 2014, plus I speak at podcasting events around the country. Tap into all of my experience by booking a private one-on-one online video consultation with me to get you on the road to podcasting success and enjoyment. Write to me via podcast at nhte.net and let's set up a date and time to get online together for a confidential discussion to get you moving forward with your podcast. That's going to do it for episode 435. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Benny Bassett. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Same Mistake. Yeah.